Our loving Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for waking us this morning. This day you have given to us is a brand new day. The time, the opportunities, and the hours are all brand new. We ask that we will fill this day thinking about you and meditating about your words and also sharing your love with one another that at the end that we will honor you and praise you for how you faithfully guide us throughout this day. As I speak this morning, I pray that you will forgive my sins, Lord. Cleanse me, Lord, through your Son's blood. And I also ask that you will cleanse the ears of the congregations and hearts that were here and there embrace the message. We thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, because of his life, his sacrifice, and his death. Give up hope for eternal life with you, Lord. This is our prayer in Jesus' precious name. Amen. This morning's message is titled Following Jesus. Following Jesus. There are many people they profess that they are the followers of Jesus Christ. Right? There's so many denominations all around the world. They said, ah, we're Christians. But do they really follow Jesus? Come with me to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. Reading from verse 23. The Bible says, And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross once a month, once a year. The Bible says, Daily. And follow me. The first step that God or Jesus Christ asks us if you want to follow Him is to deny ourselves. Throughout this week, we learned from Pastor Ben that we have to deny ourselves, right? Crucify ourselves, surrender ourselves. To Jesus Christ. How do we do that? How do we deny ourselves? From the early age, I loved collecting things. 
in a good way is very, you know, frugal, right? I will keep anything from anywhere. I will go and walk on my way to church or on my way to, you know, do some ministry. If I find a nail on the floor, I'll pick that and I put my pocket and then bring it home. If I see anything that I could use as a resource, I will bring that home. And in the United States, I don't know about Malaysia, we call those kind of people pack rats, right? Am I right, Joey? So imagine, I was in the United States, moved there around 96, and then stayed there until the beginning of this year. I have 40 boxes of books. 40 boxes, okay? And when I put all of them in a wall, I need at least, I believe I have eight bookshelves. And people are very impressed. Pastor Shin, you must be a good student. You have so much book. To be honest with you, I don't even read, I think, one-tenth of all the books. As a decoration, you know? In my mind, one day, I will use them for my ministry. So whenever there's a new book comes, you know, different topic, righteousness by faith, cross, sanctuary, I'll just purchase them and then just like place them and I'll be happy. I have that book. I go around at different conferences. They sell CDs, DVDs, and tapes. It used to be tapes, right? Cassette tapes. I'll buy them and I'll just like have a set. Leslie Harding's Sanctuary, Shadow. Mark Finley's Doc Bachelors. Nowadays, we have everything in the CD-ROM and then hard drive. I have like several hard drives, sermons, MP3 files. I just love collecting things and my wife, she hates that. <laughs> Like, honey, you gotta throw that out. If you don't use it in two years, that means you're not gonna use them. If you have a clothes that you're gonna just hang there on your closet for two years and you're not wearing, you gotta give away. Let somebody use them. But for me, it's an idol. And when I have to, when we had to move to Korea, I tell you, it was a painful. One of the uh, hobbies that I have is collecting sheet music. You know the music for the singing? Uh, I love singing, so I collect solo pieces. I collect duet, trio, quartet. I have a whole books like this much. Books of only just quartet, men's quartet. And then also that I have a um, books on, of a men's chorus. Choir is another story. Whenever I go to different places and hear good music, I ask the conductor, can I have a copy of it? One day I'll sing this song. But when we had to move to Korea, I could only take how many bags? How many bags can you take to, to fly in you know, overseas flights? 50 pounds? Two bags. It took like more than a month for me to decide which one I should take. 
Should I take this one? No, no, no. This one. Oh, no, no, no. This one. And I had a hard time giving up all the books, all the musics. Denying ourselves is not easy. You might have something else in your life that you are cherishing. Could be ungodly things. And like Pastor Ben said yesterday, we have to not give away, but burn them or throw away, destroy it, so nobody will be influenced by those materials. I like to share a quotation from the inspired writing. It says, To be a patient toiler in that which calls for self-denying labor is a glorious work. What kind of work? Glorious work that heaven smiles upon. Faithful work is more acceptable to God than the most zealous and thought to be holiest worship. True worship consists in working together with Christ. Prayers, exaltation, and talk are cheap fruits which are frequently tied on, but fruits that are manifested in good works, in caring for the needy, the fatherless and widow are what kind of fruits? Genuine fruits and grow naturally upon a good tree. There are many people, they try to gain salvation and even a 1 Corinthians chapter 13 talks about it, right? Come with me to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Ellen Dwight recommend us or counsel us that we should read this chapter once a day, if possible. The Bible says, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 13, Verse 1, though I speak the tongues of men and angels and have not charity, I am become as what? Sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understanding all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains and have not charity. I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. And the many Christian religions, especially the old church, the emphasis lot in good works. But good works without true love that we found in Jesus Christ 
profit nothing. Even the Buddhist emphasize good works. Am I right? You have to be kind to other people. You have to give and share. But the motive of them doing it is to gain salvation. We cannot help or give things to other people thinking that I'm going to gain salvation. I'm going to buy salvation through my good works. No, brothers and sisters. The only good work we can do is learning from Jesus Christ. When we have Jesus Christ in our hearts, after our hearts being converted and repented and confessed and forgiven, then there is a genuine love for one another. Amen? You cannot just sit down and just enjoy yourself. Oh, Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. You can't do that. You cannot go to the mountain and hide in the cave and say, Jesus loves me and he's coming soon. I'm going to just stay here until I'm going to be, you know, stay away from sins and all this bad environment. Just wait until Jesus comes on this cave. No, my friend. As a true Christian, you cannot do that. Come with me to John chapter 15. Book of John chapter 15. John chapter 15, reading from verse 1. I am the true vine and my father is the husband man every branch in me that beareth not fruit he who is he the husbandman father right taketh away and every branch that beareth fruit he I'm sorry prunes and what? It may bring forth more fruit, right? Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abideth me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it does abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abideth in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth few fruits, much fruit. For without me, ye can do many things. Is that what the Bible said? He says, ye, you can do nothing. So without us connecting with Jesus, even though you do all sorts of outreaches and helping people and giving your even your body to be burned, what's the result? You profit nothing. There is no salvation guaranteed. And it says without us being attached, connected with Jesus Christ, we cannot do 
anything. When I saw the presentation that Sister Joy presented a couple of days ago, you know, we talk about leprosy a lot from the Bible study, sermons, and, but I actually never saw a person with their condition, like visual picture like that. We compare with leprosy with sins and how terrible it is, but until I saw it, I was like horrified. Wow, that disease can change people, disfigure. <coughs> Come with me to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. James chapter 1, verse 27. James chapter 1, 27. The Bible says, Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this. Is it important to understand pure religion? Amen? I don't, are you looking at the same chapter and same verse that I'm looking at right here? The pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this. To do what? To visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. God has wonderful provision for us that how we could be sanctified through his words and a way that we will prepare ourselves to be translated to heaven. My grandfather was 19 years old when he got married. 19. I, I think that's kind of early, you know, pretty young age to get married. But you know, during you know, early 1900, he was born in 1903, I believe. It was a kind of normal thing, right? And, and he started working at the age of eight. He started involved with farming at the age of eight. And then he was ready to get married at the age of 19. He met his wife, my grandmother, at the church. My grandmother and her sister came to my grandfather's church to sing a special music. Special music. And he liked her. So he went back home and told his father, Father, I met this beautiful lady from the town across the mountain. Can you do something for me? <laughs> I like her. So my grand, great-grandfather traveled 
and meet up with this, their family. And then they like him too. So they got married. And my grandmother was 16 years old. She was a teacher at that time. She was giving a, uh, lectures in different families. So they would start their you know, marriage very early. And then they had, I believe, nine children altogether. They were devoted Christians. And they were conservative Methodists. When my uncle, oldest uncle, was 19 years old, he was studying at this high school. And outside of the high school, he saw this banner, Study the Prophecy. He's like, whoa, I want to learn about prophecy. So he went and studied for one month and converted to Seventh-day Adventist. Praise the Lord. And he invited that pastor, Pastor Kim, to come to his parents' house and also give Bible study. So Pastor Kim came to my grandparents' house and gave Bible study, and the whole family was converted to Seventh-day Adventist. My, my father was, I believe he was first or second grader. And my grandmother says, from this day on, you're not going to school on Sabbath. That was it. But one thing they were longing to see and waiting for was the coming of Jesus. They were waiting and waiting and sharing. My grandfather, in fact, he was planting a church, different villages, going around and sharing about Jesus Christ. He never had a chance to go to school. He had two brothers, older brothers. The, my great-grandfather said, I can invest for first one and second one. So he sent them to school and learn about all this thing. But my grandfather, he says, you are going to be a good farmer. So he didn't send him to school. The only thing that he could do is reading the Bible and going to church. The family, his family wasn't actually a Christian. But he enjoys music and he enjoys the Bible study. So he was attending this Methodist church. His older brothers, what happened is they both died in their 20s. None of them survived. So all the investment they made he was always complaining to us, my, grand, my father should have been investing me and sent me to school instead of my brothers. You know? But he was going around the school, I mean, the villages, and sharing this gospel. And there was, whenever they go, there was a small churches. Waiting for Jesus Christ. And meeting Jesus Christ was his dream. My uncle, who became a Seventh-day Adventist at the age of 19, he was the first Korean pastor 
who went to IS and Andrews to get his doctorate degree. Later on, he became a dean of the seminary, Samyuk University. My grandfather, they both, grandparents, they both lived long age. They were 96 and 98 when they passed away. But you and me, we also have the same expectation, right? Desire to see coming of Jesus Christ in our generation. Amen? Amen? I don't know about you, but I don't want to experience death. Do you? I really want to go to heaven by the grace of God translated and not experiencing the death. And there's a special blessing upon those group. And we found in Revelation chapters 7 and 14 the 144,000. How can we how can you prepare for ourselves for coming of you know, his soon return expecting that and having all these things in ourselves. The pure religion and undefiled before the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction, and to keep himself unspotted from the world. The quotation I want to share with you is found in Revere and Herald, August 16, 1881. The doing principle is a fruit that Christ requires us to bear. Doing deeds of benevolence, speaking kind words, and manifesting tender regard for what kind of people? Poor, the needy, the afflicted. Every act, every deed of justice and mercy and benevolence makes what in heaven? Before we read, bring smiles, right? It says smiles in heaven. But here it says music in heaven. The Father from his throne beholds and numbers the performed of them with his most precious treasures. Every merciful act to the needy or the suffering is as though done to Jesus. Whoever, what? Suckers the poor or sympathize with the afflicted and oppressed and befriends the orphan, brings himself into a more close relationship to Jesus. Yesterday during our panel discussion, or question and answer session actually, Pastor Ben mentioned about need-based churches, right? Do you remember that? Need-based churches. Church member has to feel the need for different projects. And I believe this is the most needed thing in our church nowadays. Did you know that 75% of our young Adventist young people are leaving the church right now? 
In United States, you know what the median age of United States or Northern American, North American division right now? The median age for North American division is 62. So old. That means 50% of North American division, North America division, is older than 62, 50%. And the rest is Young, young people. I mean, like young, including like everybody from baby to all the way to what? Uh, 62. Why are young people are leaving the church? Why? Do you know why our young people are leaving the church? We have young people here, right? This is the army of youth, youth conference. Many young people are leaving the church because. They don't hear testimony. Did you hear me? Why? They all talk about, yes, studying the Bible is really important. But the more important thing is this, studying the Bible and experiencing it and bring testimony to the church, right? Church. When we have a church setting, when you come to church on Sabbath, we study the Bible, right? But when we fellowship with each other, what we're supposed to do is to share our testimonies. God had done this to me when I follow His word. But when young people come to church, pastor talk about righteousness by faith, adults, they study about Sabbath, sanctuary, but when it comes to the testimony, they don't see it works working in their life. Am I right? So young people are like, oh, they talk about victory over sin, they talk about sanctuary, they talk about Sabbath, they talk about heavenly sanctuary, but they are still unconverted. They still gossip about their pastors, their elders, different department leaders. They still enjoy the worldly things. They behave like worldly people throughout the week, except Sabbath, they pretend they're holy Adventist people. So many young people look at the belief of our Adventist church as a, just a theory. Theory that doesn't work for their parents, neither that for them. So that's why, if it's not working for my parents, why should I stay in this church? That's the main reason that many young people are leaving this church. I don't know about Malaysia, but Korea, same problem. Many young people, after high school, they start coming to church. Come with me to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. We found four parables in this chapter. I want you to come with me to the last parable. Chapter 25, Matthew, verse 31. When the Son of Man shall come in His glory, 
and all the holy angels with him. How many angels? All. You cannot miss his coming. Amen? We have a false doctrine among the evangelicals that Jesus will come secretly and take you secretly. Secret rapture, right? The Bible says, Son of man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him. Then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. And before him shall he be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king, who is the king? Who is the king here? Son of man, right? Who is the son of man? Jesus. King say unto them on his right hand, Come ye, blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was unhungered, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me in, naked, and ye clothed me. I was sick. And he visited me. I was in prison, and he came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee unhungered, and fed thee, or thirsty, and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger, and took thee in, or naked, and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick, or in prison, and come, came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done in it unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. For by grace are ye saved through faith. We are saved by faith but we are judged by our works. When Christ and His love dwells in you, the natural lifestyle, actually come with me to 1 John. 1 John chapter 1 John chapter I believe it's 2 1 John chapter 2 Reading from, from Verse 6 He that saith he abideth in him Ought himself also So to walk Even as He walked When Jesus He was on earth What was his lifestyle? How did he spend his daily life? What did he do? What did Jesus do when he was on earth? Did he pray? Yes. 
he went to the mountain and spent early in the morning praying and meditating his words, right? What did he do rest of the days? He did he preach? Yes. Did he teach? Yes. What else did he do? He go and visit and heal people. That should also be our lifestyle when we have Jesus in our heart. Not that, not that, that you quit your job right now or leave school and just living like Jesus, you know, going around and we have all these different talents. Amen? Somebody was called to do a computer engineering. Some people were called to do a CPA, accountant. Somebody was called to do pastoral ministry. Somebody is called to do health ministry. Somebody is called to do different works. But we have to have in this mind that our first occupation is sharing Jesus. Amen? Whatever you do, that's a secondary. But our first call is to share about Jesus Christ. So when we have this kind of thought in our hearts, they say when we are abiding in Him, we have to also walk like Jesus every day. And in order for us to deny ourselves, forsake ourselves, and surrender wholly to Jesus Christ is helping other people. I came to Malaysia 1997, the first time. And we went to Sabah, KK. We stayed at Tanjung Aru Church for one month. And we did evangelistic series. And after that, we went to India, Madras, for another one month. And we did 21-day evangelistic series. My, before I went to, that was my first mission trip. I was brought up as a Seventh-day Adventist and I was a PK. I know the doctrines of teaching of this church pretty well. So I thought I was a pretty good Christian. So I went to mission trip. I realized that I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. I thought I heard about demon possession from the Bible and from some of my friends. But the Malaysia is the first time that I saw a demon possessed person. And also India. And there, I realized if there's a demon person behaving like that and changing a young lady to, I cannot say monster, but close to that, wow, and they obey. 
they obey when Jesus' name was mentioned. And I said, wow, that is powerful. That changed my life. We, went, we were in India. I don't know how many of you have been to India, but India is, I believe, one of the nastiest places on earth. <laughs> I'm sorry, you know, if you're from India, I don't want to offend you, but it's really, it was really, really dirty. I tell you, Madras, when it rains, every time it rains, the whole city flooded. And people, they do their business in the corners and even in that flooded water. And also, you know that there is a cows all around the city, throughout the city. I saw terrible things. How, when people worship the idols, it makes you so ignorant. It comes to the point that they have to collect the urine from the cow and put on themselves. And I said, Lord, I'm learning all these things, new things, and I think this is just too much. I saw a demon-possessed person. I saw preachers and pastors pray for this person and casting out the demons by the name of Jesus Christ. And I was learning these Bible studies, having Bible studies, and I realized that I wasn't ready for His second coming. I said, Lord, help me. And I want to overcome this sins in myself. I was dealing with guilt. I wasn't a bad, I mean, good person. I mean, I was a pastor during the, a pastor's kid during the Sabbath. I was like any other PKs. We were the pastor's kid. Dressed nice, clean. We greet elders and deacon and deaconess. Pretend that we we're good pastor's kid. But throughout the week, we were drinking, partying. I was a thief. I went to military. And I made all these illegal transactions. You know, many military, they have unlimited resources. And if you just I'm not teaching you to do this, okay? But if you just make few friends in the high rank, you can make a lot of money. I was stealing their gasolines. I was stealing their diesel oil. I was stealing their engine oil. I was selling alcohol on, inside the base was I, I charged them for like 10 times more than the outside of the base because you know, as a soldier, you cannot drink inside the base. But I would do the illegal things. And I would have lots of money. So imagine after those two, 94, 95, 96 military you know, lifestyle, and then 97, I went to mission trip to Malaysia and Singapore and India and, and understanding about what made Jesus die on the cross, I said, Lord, help me. I don't want to sin again. I don't want to put you on the cross again and again. 
When I pray, I say, Lord, I want to live every day for you. But I was not a good Bible teacher. So every day when I have a devotion, I ask the Lord, Lord, today I'm going to go home visitation, visit different people. I don't think I have all the answers for these people. Please show me from Bible that what I am going to face throughout the days. And every morning I pray the prayer and I study the Bible, people ask me exact same question that I studied that morning and give me the answer. The Lord, you know, has given me the answer that morning. And I was busy rest of the time helping other people. Not saying that I was perfect person, sinless person today, throughout the day, throughout the mission trip. But I realized something. When we are helping other people, when we are ministering to the other people throughout the day, there is a less chance we sin against God. When we are lazy, when we have so much time that we have nothing to do except for studying the Bible, then we come to the temptation and we start compromise and sin against God. We would start thinking about different things and we give chance. Oh, why don't I just go to a theater and watch a movie? You know, two hours, I can kill two hours with my friends. Did you know that by watching movies and spending time in front of TVs, beholding that unclean, unsanctified things, that you are actually participating in that same crime, same sin that you are seeing? And God will ask you the question, why did you commit such a crime? You might say, Lord, I, I didn't do it. I just saw it. But you have willing to allow yourself to behold and store those things in your sanctuary. The most holy place where God and the Holy Spirit dwells, right? When the blessing is pronounced on the faithful, unselfish worker, the question arises from the lips of him. I don't know if you have this quotation, but um, I'll just paraphrase and then read the, the one that is on the screen. Um, basically, it says, The works of love and mercy have been the natural result of their love for Jesus. So when we say we love, we start understanding about the gospel, everlasting gospel, how God changes, how God wants to be like Jesus Christ, that the result of His love is what? Showing love and mercy to other people. That is, a, that is a, the uh, product. In Re Leviticus, come with me to Leviticus chapter 23. Leviticus chapter 23 has a special command regarding a very special day. Leviticus chapter 23, verse 27. The Bible says, reading from actually verse 26, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Also on the tenth day of this seventh month, 
There shall be a day of what? Atonement. It shall be an holy convocation unto you, and ye shall afflict your soul. And offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. And ye shall do no work in that same day. For it is a day of atonement. To make an atonement for you before the Lord your God. For whatsoever soul it be that shall not be afflicted in that same day, he shall be cut off from among his people. Are we living in a day of atonement period right now? Are we? Since 1844, right? We are living in the time of mercy, time of atonement. And the Bible says, what do we do on that day? Afflict our souls. How do we afflict our souls? Of course, we have to search our heart and ask the Lord, Lord, show me the sins that I committed that I could repent and be forgiven. Right? Let's go to Isaiah chapter 58. Isaiah 58. Here we found what is a practical way of afflicting our souls. Isaiah chapter 58, verse 1. Isaiah chapter 58 verse 1 Cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet and show my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily. How often? Daily. And delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness and forsook not the ordinance of their God. They ask of me the ordinances of justice. They take delight in approaching to God. Does it sound like a Christians? Yes. But yet, verse 3, Wherefore have ye fast, fasted? And say, they say, Thou seest not. Wherefore have we afflicted our souls, and thou hast takest take, no knowledge? Behold, in the day of your fast, ye find pleasure and exact all your labors. Verse 4, Behold, ye fast for, what? Strive and debate and to smite with the feast of wickedness. Ye shall not fast as ye do this day to make your voice to be heard on high. Is this such a fast that I have chosen? A day for a man to afflict his soul? What is this talking about? What is this talking about? God's people are saying, we want to come to you daily and learn about you and learn about your righteousness. But in reality, what were they doing? Their answer, their, their prayers are not received by God. They're not answered. And they're complaining, well, Lord, we've been praying, we've been coming to you to sanctuary and worship you, learn about your truth, but why are you not listening to us? And God says, the fast that I ask you to do is not the fast that you are experiencing right now. You're fighting, you're, you're gossiping, you're oppressing other people. That's not the fast and affliction that you, 
God wants us to experience. Verse 5. Is it such a fast that I have chosen? A day for a man to afflict his soul. It is to be bow down his head as a burrush then to spread sackcloth and ashes under him. Wilt thou call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I have chosen? To lose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens and to let the oppressed to free and that ye break every yoke. Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry and that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house when thou seest the naked that thou cover him and that thou hide not thy, thyself from thine own flesh. Do you see what God is saying here? He wants us to experience the affliction and fast in this time of history. Amen? In this time of history. And the way that we can experience the true meaning of afflicting our soul, yes, to go through our hearts and search, our, is there any sin that I have not confessed to God? Search your heart. But at the same time, is there anybody around our life, around ourselves, that need my help, both spiritually and physically? And helping them, providing them clothes, providing them food, water. Ease, the true meaning of afflicting our souls. When I studied this subject, I was a pastor at Advent Hope Church in Atlanta. When we were sent right after my um, seminary, we had 20 young adults, Korean young adults. When we start our church, we put the sign, you know, the Adventist logo, the Bible and the flame. People pass by and they just stop. I mean, because we're speaking English, Korean young adult, English church, people pass by when they're late, they just, they're desperate. They see Adventist sign logo, they just come in and say, we're late. And, and we want to come and worship with you because our church is far away. So one family, two family, three family, they stop by. And then soon they start joining our church. And then by a few months, we start our church December 2009. Within five, six months, our church grew and we became like 50 members. And then one year, close to 100. The interesting thing is that our church had all kind of people. There were white Caucasian, like Georgian with the heavy Georgian accent. We have a Korean people, Asians. We have Caribbeans, Haitians, Jamaicans. We have every different races in our church. At the same time, we have a people who lives in a eight, ten million dollar mansion same time, there's a family who is barely surviving every day, paying their bills. I'm thinking, we have this 80 to 100 people. They're not united. They're not one. How can I help them to become? I mean, every Sabbath, during the potluck, people will sit in the corner. There goes white 
Caucasian Georgia people. There goes Korean people. There's a group of African American people, Jamaicans, Haitian. They don't get along like a water and oil. So I was asking the Lord, pleading, Lord, what can I do to unite this church? I mean, we believe that we're going to go to heaven together, but in reality, they don't hang around, they don't socialize, they just somehow come to church on Sabbath, every Sabbath. When I understand this message, I bring this to the board. Let's do something together. I believe Matthew chapter 25, visiting prison and helping the needy people and, and visiting the sick people is just spiritual application. We have to actually experience it in our life. So we set up the day. Let's go to prison, first and third Sabbath. Let's go to hospital, local hospital, second Sabbath. Let's go and visit the homeless shelter the last Sabbath. Of course, everything didn't come all together. We start with homeless once a month. And then we start visiting the hospital next month. And then soon we contact the chaplain at the prison and then she gave us the lecture and gave us a tag to go and minister to people. I tell you, people changed. People came together. I never forget the first prison ministry they visited. You know, prisoners, the human beings too, are, they have a feelings and emotions and they have a, somebody, some people have sad histories. Mainly, many of them, they don't, they never experience love. They came from dysfunctional families, many of them. The parents are split and they were divorced. They couldn't really adjust to different families, so they just struggled and then they end up in jail. So when we have a Bible study, when we have a prayer for them, they cry. I never forget the first song service we had. They were so eager to sing Amazing Grace. We were in a small, I mean, it's like maybe small, like this square right here. We have 15 men sitting all together, singing with their lungs out. I never saw that at my church. They were singing with their hearts. And the words, amazing grace, really sounded like amazing grace when they sang. Those rich people who clip themselves and wear all this nice clothes, they come together with the poor families in our church. They are becoming more and more interested in each other. We go together to homeless shelter. We minister to them. Sing for them. Give them food. Give them clothes. And the church became one. Brothers and sisters, that experience afflicting our souls is a good news for us. We're helping poor people, needy people. It is denying ourselves. Instead of us buying a nice car, nice clothes, you know, good food, let's invest for the Lord. Amen? Come with me. I want to share. I know that my time is up.
I want to share two Bible texts. Just two. Psalms 41. Don't forget this Bible text. I know that the time of trouble is coming soon. How can we go through time of trouble? Yes. We have to walk with Jesus Christ every day and have devotion and have a solid relationship. 41 verse 1. Psalm 41 verse 1. Blessed is he that considereth the poor. The Lord will what him? Deliver him in time of trouble. Amen? You invest. You do your best to help poor and needy people. God will save you through the time of trouble. Last one, I think is Proverbs. Nineteen. Proverbs nineteen. Proverbs nineteen verse seventeen. Proverbs nineteen verse seventeen. The Bible says, He that hath pity upon the poor. What unto the Lord? Lendeth unto the Lord. And that which he hath given will be, will he pay him again? Some of you have stock that you invested in stock. For the Lord, yes, do that. But for your security, place your money in someone else. You're investing the best firm in the universe. God said, I will take care of this fund and investment and I'll pay you back thousand and million times. Let's do the right thing before his soon return. Let's truly experience the day of atonement experience that Israel has to went through. Let's search our heart and ask the Lord what we need to give up and share our resources and the blessings that God has given us to bless other people. Shall we pray? Loving Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for giving us this message this morning. Denying ourselves is not easy. Giving of goods and sharing with other people is not easy. But Lord, you want us to experience this special experience in the last day, especially the day that when Jesus was pleading for our sin in the most holy place. Help us to search our heart afflict our souls and experience the true fasting that through our service and love the people will see Jesus Christ and find and join this church and this movement Lord continue to be with us throughout the rest of the day we pray all things in Jesus precious name Amen this media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more if you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.